Rebel FM, episode 386. I'm Anthony Gallegos. Joining me is Arthur Geese. It's been long enough that I didn't actually know that. I'm actually not sure that that's... I just looked at the site and I'm still not sure if that was accurate, but I'm just, I'm just, I feel pretty (laughs) confident. It is, it is in fact, episode three to six. Nice. All right. Uh, All right. All right. But this week we got everyone together. So James Faulkner's here. Hello. Uh, Sorry if I cough. And Matt Chandrony. Oh, are you feeling sick, James? Yeah, man. He's got international plague. Yeah. All of the plagues. (laughs) All at once. (laughs) So, but you were gone because you and Mr. Geese were at the international. Did you guys have fun? What was it like? Dota pilgrimage. It was smoky. It was very, very smoky. Ah, yes. Is that why you're, is that why you're like, are you sick because of the smoke or are you sick (laughs) because of the plague? Uh, And fatigue. Yeah. Wearing uh, yourself ragged. I was there for two weeks. So, Damn. Touching my body lots hurts. Of things. Yeah, <laughs> being around right. hundreds of thousands, not hundreds, thousands of people. The the group stage, like you worked your ass off. They were like twelve or twelve to fourteen hour days of you working, and then yeah. the main event was just all of us being in the fucking arena for that long, basically. Which mm-hmm. still like eating it's nothing not but work, quality food, but it's exhausting. Although the press situation this year was different, like there were media suites and they were catered. So yeah, wow. I ate, and they catered downstairs for the for production crew as well. I so didn't the food realize situation, you were there as press. Yeah, I went for variety. I don't know what I'm going to write about, though. Um, the stuff that happened on Sunday when I was at the airport with the Madden thing kind of knocked the wind out of me as far as enthusiasm for esports events for a minute. Um, yeah, so. that, that was a giant fucking bummer for sure. I mean, it's the sort of thing that that level of violence at an esports event is it was inevitable honestly i guess well, i i don't know that that's true you, necessarily you just need better security right i'm, no, I'm sure i just that- expected it to eventually happen i mean like with all the mass shootings that have happened in this country i just expected okay that at some point some gamer is going to get super pissed off that they lost a game they're going to have a gun in their backpack and they're going to start shooting people I mean, I, I don't know. I've been... Every international I've been to, and I feel like James... James, you've been to the same number as I have, right? We've both been to uh, five? One less. Unless you... Okay. Do you skip one year? No. Since been, four? This is my yeah. fifth international. You've been to four, but still, like, yeah. you can still speak to it. Like, there's fairly significant security procedures in place. Like, they do bag checks for everyone. When you hold it in um, a major arena, I always kind of expect that, you know? Yeah, me even, too. Even when I went to the one at Oakland... It was the same procedure they do for a Warriors game. So, you know, no bags over a certain size. All bags have to be inspected, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, so, I, and it sounds like that was not the case with the Madden thing, which surprised me a little bit because, like, EA's security at E3 this year was fucking bananas, like, at everything they did. And so was everyone else's event. So it was a little interesting to me that that wasn't the case. But I guess it was, like, officially sanctioned, but not necessarily organized by EA. Uh, right, uh, yeah. And that's the case for a lot of esports tournaments. But, of course, Valve does everything themselves. And I didn't get to see much of the broadcast this year. I was just way too busy. Uh, normally, I try to watch the newbie streams because those are a lot of fun for me since they go into the extra effort to explain stuff. Right, and um, they did that this year again. Yeah, yeah. And uh, But I didn't get to see hardly any of it. But what I did see, I was like, okay, they're still stepping up the production quality just like one notch. Like every year, they turn the dial up like one more notch as far as production quality goes. 
Yeah, I feel like James could probably speak a little more to how he feels about the way that it's evolved than I can, because he sort of played a role in some of it this year. That's, that's true, but I think you both can speak to it as consumers, right? I, I think that when the group stages started, things got off to kind of a rough start, um, in part because the level of ambition of their video production was just orders of magnitude larger than it's ever been. James, do you want to sort of talk I, about why that if, can you talk about why that is uh, not really okay um <laughs> well I, i'd just be curious what you guys I, I know why but i'm not allowed to it's not something i'm i'm i mean, I'm not, of it like machine, i'm not comfortable saying machine broadcast yes. like there were like some power issues just with like the, there were like, some power converter issues is what I'd i can be say curious though just as like a consumer just to hear what you guys thought of the theme and stuff of this year's because that's always such an important part of the feel of the tournament. dramatically underpresented compared to previous years. Um, um, they had the, had those uh, boxes that had all the smoke coming out and up in the rafters they had all like the stalactite little hanger like curtains. Um, Do you yeah, feel like I, they, they did a good job this year too with like the time in between matches and stuff like that? I know you guys had said previously that you felt like it was important to have the right people sitting on the couch to keep like the talks engaging for those uh, yeah. super fans. I and think stuff. they did better this year than they did last year for sure. Um, yeah, this year this year's panel was pretty good. Uh, I think overall, in terms of talent and content, like side content, it's probably one of the strongest years um, in terms of like recognizing what their community wanted uh, and things that kind of reached beyond that. Um, I think this is like some of the best year in terms of packages uh, and all that stuff. It, it's some, I, I, I really enjoyed that. Did I, they, packages is an industry term for like pre-recorded and edited stuff that then goes out on the live stream. Right. I've always so thought, I thought that shit was good for that. Like even just as a I, casual fan. Yeah. This year was a little, not a little, in a lot of ways it felt kind of like the opposite of last year. Last year felt in some ways like them attempting to, sanitize it a little bit and package it for a mass audience a little more whereas this year i felt leaned much more into by dota fans for dota fans hmm. like it sort of like the packages in between felt a lot more about the community of dota um than it yeah, has they, previously they covered we, uh peru and japan uh, japan and like the communities there and then uh one in-depth one on one of the uh main hosts of the scene uh shiver who uh unfortunately uh had breast cancer and they they did mm. a very long one uh, about about her and her family and her boyfriend owen um, that was really, really powerful. And like, it, it was, it, it kind of ruined like a lot of the people there. Like they just could not function for a good half an hour afterwards. Um, yeah. it was just, it, it really sort of expressed the ways in which that impacted the community. And I, and I think in a way that didn't feel ghoulish or exploitative, right. it felt right. very supportive. Good. I, I, that, that makes sense to me. I feel like the other documentary and shorts they've done in the packages, as Matt says previously, always actually made me even when i was just sitting in the stands with you guys for a day be like fuck man these team stories are actually really like, <laughs> like good i feel like you know? there were weren't as many of those this year yeah they're harder to do because i think teams have been together for less amount of time and i think the one and they had covered a lot of the people honestly like they've done by a lot of the, like the main stars so were there any exciting announcements or stuff like that coming out of there for you guys like i mean they dropped a new hero the night before 
the last day of the tournament. Oh, <laughs> they, <shit>. just, <laughs> they announced two new heroes. Uh, and they announced, one, but they were not playable in the tournament, I assume. No, well, no. Uh, when they add new heroes, they're not added to captain's mode, which is the competitive mode. Oh, um, right. Right. But uh, they announced two new heroes. Who is the first one, James? Mars. You, Mars, which is like a Roman god. Uh, maybe he'll be connected to Zeus in some way. Uh, but and, uh, and, and these new ones, when they put them out at this point, they're not like callbacks to old Dota, right? So it's not like you guys can be like, no. oh yeah, he's just got the kid of so-and-so. No, these are new. Um, That's and cool. So there was Mars who, I, it seems like he'll be like a summoner kind of hero because it showed like a lot of him sort of like suggesting of him raising an army like from the ground. Cool. Um, and then it showed a second trailer for a hero named Grimstroke. That was kind of cool. And then that it said at the end available now. Um, and they pushed that hero live immediately. That's a cool, oh, wow. That's a pretty cool move. Yeah, no kidding. But uh, and it didn't uh, affect the competitive scene at all because he's not in captains. But uh, that has right. been in the game for like a week and a half now, or wow. like I guess a week ish. Yeah. Did you guys walk away with any fun treasures? Uh, uh, I, yeah. Virtual I, I, or I, otherwise. Yeah, virtual I, or otherwise. Yeah. I got some. I got some tech shorts, but I got no drops. Uh, no. I bought. A uh, knit cap because I haven't been in desperate need of a knit cap since I lost my other one in in March because I'm a dingus um, and they <laughs> had pretty good knit caps. But otherwise, I didn't actually buy stuff this year. It was um, I. I don't think there was a lot of new stuff. They had like a, a new jacket, a few new shirts, and then a, a second jersey. a second line of Dotakin. Um, those are the little plastic guys. The tiny, tiny ones that okay. they did a first phase of last year. They're kind of cute, chibi ones, but not not the micro, not the demi heroes, not the ones that uh, that are really cool. Um, uh, did you get any drops, Arthur? I got two, uh, <laughs> which are like, there were three exceptionally valuable ones, and I got two of them. And Every by time. valuable, I mean, so our friend Jules got like five. He got seven. He got seven. Damn. Wow. I had two badges scanned in and I only got two. Although I feel like there was he a lot of two, con- he, he had two as well. I okay. There was a lot of confusion with the gate guards about like scanning stuff in or out, and I kind of wonder if my badges got over scanned and I just wasn't scanning into the tournament uh, mm. with at least one set of badges. But anyway, uh even with just those two, it was like about a thousand dollars worth of Steam bucks uh, worth of drops. Um, yeah. Well, and it's Which, like when you when you sell stuff on the on the marketplace, is it only for Steam bucks or is it for like real cash monies? On the marketplace, it's just for Steam bucks. There are ways to sell cosmetics for real money, but it's kind of involved and uh, it's a little risky. There's no yeah. like officially sanctioned way of uh, selling. Uh, cosmetics for real money steam bucks still very useful yeah unless you have a press account <laughs> then you can but buy things for all your friends no it just do- means that i'll have a really good battle pass at some point ah you can buy and buy the dota other dota hats that come out this year <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> right, right. Of which there will be some um well, i'm sure there will be well what uh, about the tournament itself what are, were there any teams how are the performance of the teams that you were rooting for and all that good stuff uh it was kind of ex- kind of expected across the board that mm. like the top four teams in the dpc all did pretty well in no the late no stages. big uh, underdog but, stories or anything there was actually yeah except, except for the people that won it uh, which was 
they this team called OG, which had lost two of its founding members. I mean, not founding members. One of their founding members and one of, I think, what you'd call them with their core members, left for Evil Geniuses two months ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and they were replaced by uh, the coach of the team and a mid laner. Uh, a pub that, star. Yeah, a pub star mid laner that had never played in the land before. Oh, okay, wait on, Mike. Just for quick clarification pub star is what? An someone, extremely good pub game player, like uh, someone who gotcha. does not play competitively, but has like made a name for themselves within the the Dota scene, playing gotcha. the game solo. Gotcha. And uh, one more question: What is DCP? Dota Pro Circuit. Gotcha. Okay. D- okay. DPC. The uh, ways the the points thing that gets you two TI. That's a pretty crazy story. Then that this guy that's a that's gotta feel crazy to be a puppy. Yeah. And then be like, yeah, I won the biggest Dota tournament. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, and, and have the team and you, that you uh, lost to your your players to make get third in the tournament, which is um, still better than I think anybody expected of them before the group stages started. I think that before the group stage of TI started, there were some narratives about who was going to do well and sort of some s- assumptions about how things are going to shake out. And those things were broken pretty quickly with a couple of exceptions. Like liquid did very well. I think was LGD expected to do well. I feel like they were. Yeah. Um, but otherwise like a lot of teams that were expected to do extremely well, just did not do well. Um, Mm. and, uh, even third place though must walk away with several hundred thousand dollars, think, right? No, they get like four million, I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my, my mistake. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, first yeah. place got eleven, and so it's like it's like around two. We're in the wrong fucking business, you guys. We need to get up to our ten thousand hours of Dota real quick. Yeah, we just need to be fifteen years younger. I was uh, gonna say, yeah, Matt, we're, we might be in trouble. <laughs> I will say that there is kind of a precedent for pub stars sort of like doing spectacularly at TI. Um, like Samael was a pub star before he got he joined Evil Geniuses in time for DAC, and they won TI that year. Uh, Miracle was a pub star. He's the dude who hit nine K before anybody else in Dota before. Liquid won uh, TI, um, although he had been with the team for about eight or nine months, I think. Is uh, yep. Sumail um, still on Evil Geniuses? Yeah, mm-hmm. Sumail okay. has never played for anyone but Evil Geniuses. Um, so I think uh, Evil Geniuses was the usual emotional roller coaster, but they did surprisingly well, uh, including yeah. eliminating Liquid, which I don't yeah. think anybody expected. Um, and then subsequently throwing their next series extremely hard against LGD. But uh, I'm just curious, whatever happened to that one Dota team wings that you know surprised everyone that one um, year I was there? They can't play, yeah, because of some like legal issues with contracts and the controlling body of Dota in China. I think brutal. Okay. Yeah, it's going to get more brutal this season because at this nice. year's TI there was there was an organization that owned three teams that were in the tournament. Who? Uh, VG, like VG proper was in the tournament, and VGJ Storm and VGJ Thunder I, were. All I don't think I, I don't think those are the same team. I, aren't they? I thought that they were. Um, <laughs> VGJ Storm. 
Yeah, all that anyway. stuff is so interesting, the way that it all plays out, because anyway. like, teams and team ownerships are becoming a really big deal across all of esports, not just in Dota. Yeah. So this anyway. year, there's a new rule that like orgs can't own more than one team in the DPC. What was that, James? Um, well, the, anyway, VGJ Storm, which was the North American squad. Well, Kyle, North American, I'm putting in quotes, but uh, they already left the org. Um and then they picked up Universe. Dang. That happened today. Uh, I'm Who curious. was on Fnatic. Yeah. I'm curious. Uh, do, uh, do, it's weird. Like, you know, because my first exposure to competitive Dota was watching the documentary about the international, the early internationals. The first international? Uh, uh, is that free what to play. That, yeah, free to play. It's like, do any of those, are any of those people in that, like, still relevant? Or A is lot. It, I feel like, well, okay. in, in in free to play, it was Dendi, Fear, and oh, who was the third person? It was the the uh, was it the Korean or Chinese dude? Chinese, uh, right? So at this point, Fear's a coach. Dendi plays. Fear's on is on break because he had a kid. Okay. Um, but you see a bunch of people in that documentary playing that are still active. Like I think you could see Universe. That's cool. In yeah. there. Um. Yeah, there's a lot it, of people in that documentary that are still active in Dota. Is there any one match or series that stands out to you guys as like the one that you'd be like, you know, the, to it, watch the finals? Yeah, it was the first. <laughs> it was the first five game grand finals since TI three. Yeah. That's that's great. It's always nice when it's like the finals actually not like a just a stomping, but actually like something that feels like okay, this is like two teams really fighting for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, did anybody the, use? Did anybody like shake up the meta? Like just do something that was totally unexpected, or did it all sort of correspond to common knowledge? Uh, there was a tournament meta that shook out pretty early, and then there was a second phase of tournament meta that shook out once the main event started, but some things that were expected bore out. Like, Spectre was nearly 100% pick ban, if not 100% pick ban. Wow. It wasn't, all, it wasn't every game. Uh, but no, they... Uh, it was uh, fight, early fight often. That's, that's pretty much what the, the meta was. That sounds really fun to watch, at least. Yeah, it yes. does. Um, yeah, it was a lot of just people battling, which is cool. And also some pretty severe throws, like yeah, a throw like throwing of like thirty thousand XP slash gold leads to lose. Jesus. Wow! Um, like EG definitely lost that way. I think OG or OG lost that way. LGD lost that way. Fucking Jesus. Um. Even yeah. yeah even, even OG who who won like they 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 had some net. What made them fun was them actually like pulling it back from yeah. those crazy, crazy oh, deficits. Cool. Well, last question: uh, How's Vancouver compared to Seattle? More polite, <laughs> cheap, cheaper. God, cheap. The exchange rate is like a blessing for Americans. I know that's shitty to say, I guess, but it's like it's like twenty five percent cheaper for yeah. For Americans, wow! Well, that's got to yeah. help. The and you know, regardless of visa issues, I guess for lots of international people, like uh, did the visa issues affect any of the teams in? There in were the no visa issues that I'm aware of. Oh, for that's players good. this year. One talent though, but that was not. That was more him related than anything else. Yeah. Uh, um, next well, year it cool. will be somewhat interesting, I guess, because it's moving to Shanghai. 
Yeah, how do you guys? Oh, is it? Whoa. How do you guys feel about that? It's exciting, but I'm not sure if I will go. Like, I don't know like what my life will look like. That sounds. Start your visa process a month early, unless you want to pay about you know anywhere from two hundred to three hundred dollars. If I if I decided I was going, I would know far enough advance that I just like sign up for stuff like way way in advance. Um, Yep. That sounds like a fun adventure, though. Yeah. Yeah. People are talking about going for like two weeks and uh, exploring a little bit beforehand. You you'd kind of have to go early. You'd want to go early and long no matter what because the the time shift is fucking brutal. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's the other thing is that like for North American audiences who want to watch TI, like the hours for that tournament are just going to be a disaster. Right. Um, but, you know, just like everything else in esports, China's the big market. Have you been to China, James? I have not. Okay, and I was like, that might be like one of the few places you haven't been at this point. <laughs> yeah, but I know I'm excited. And getting your visa is kind of nice because you get it. It's a ten year visa, or you can apply for different lengths of time. Well, I think usually it. it's a year, but you can apply for the ten year one. Yeah. It, cool. it, oh, I think it's like not that much different. No, it's in not. terms of yeah, I should Man. actually. I feel like I should just apply for a visa now, and hope that things work out. And because I. I don't know what the geopolitical situation is going to be regarding visas to China in this country six months from now, <laughs> True. a year from now. <laughs> yeah, we're going to need you to go over there and smuggle back video cards for us, Arthur. <laughs> They're much cheaper now. Oh, I no, I, 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 yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, that's all I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a good time. Good food. Good people. Yeah. Vancouver is a cool city. I would definitely like to go back there at some point. Yeah, yeah I've always great. wanted to go. I hear it's great. Um, this is actually like the the least picturesque weather I've ever experienced being in Vancouver, but it's still it's a great city. They're uh, yeah, again, super cheap. Everybody's really really great. Um, no Uber or Lyft, so that's something to keep in mind. Are there no. local taxis though. Yeah. There are local taxis, and if like you ever had to learn where to go to catch taxis, that knowledge base still applies. Go to hotels. Just yeah. go yeah. find a hotel. All right. yep. That's what Arthur and I used to do all the time to get to IGN. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about Montgomery right. Street, I mean, that's sort of a, a that skill hotel. set that applies everywhere everywhere yeah. in the world. Is like, go to the hotel, and you can find a taxi. Yeah, uh, always. Did, so did you guys end up, uh, I don't know, playing any fun travel games or... Anything like of that? I played a little bit of Dead Cells. Yeah, I've actually played a fair amount of Dead Cells at this point. I'm still um, chipping away at that. Yet. What were you playing it on? Uh, PC. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, you had your laptop with you, I assume. Yeah, I had both my laptops with me. Um, yeah. James, yeah, Dead you, Cells you, is awfully good. It is super good. This the streaming mode, and it's really fun too. But James, you, you still stream it? You still uh, chipping away at that World of Warcraft? Adventure. Uh, yeah. Well, I actually started this week. Um, oh yeah, that came out. Yeah, that's uh, dangerous. I can't. I can't do it. I, I don't trust myself. I've only put a couple hours into it so far. It's good. It, um, the amount of again, they they continue to get better about uh, including like more voiced cutscenes and the uh, t- total amount just seems to be ramped up because now I think they have three tiers of their cutscenes. They have like one that goes into like letterboxed um in game uh, engine 
in-game engine, and then some that are just like in-game engine, and then they have the, obviously they're like super nice cinematics. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they have these like painterly ones. Anyway, oh, uh, cool. It's good. It's World of Warcraft. Like, it's uh, I'm not deep enough in to know the full mechanics of the expansion yet. Well, I feel like you know the the single player the the soloable leveling stuff is always like just a really fun sort of you know RPG experience that just happens to take place in an MMO world. Totally. And then yeah, and then you get to the end game grind, and then it's just a question of like whether or not those end game end game grind mechanics are better or worse than the end game grind mechanics of the last expansion. Yeah. So. Um, that was good. Uh, I played uh, Guacamole 2. Oh, hey, nice. You, How's that? How do you feel about that? Um, I really like Guacamole 1. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think the combat system and just general tone is just kind of fun and silly. Um, as I think I was talking to Arthur, the only thing... Because it's very much the same as the first game. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's some new combat... Um, uh, mechanics. There are uh, a few new mechanics, but the I feel like the the actual design of it is not super great. Uh, mainly because they it feels a little too cluttered. It, like they, it felt like they added too much. Where the first one was very simple and that had a charm to it. This they added. Um, I think I was talking about the play area. They have backgrounds, playground, like the like two D play area, and but they also have stuff that can go in front of the screen. Mm-hmm. Like in front of the play area, and mm-hmm. sometimes the obscure stuff that I would like to see, and I, I just found it a little annoying. But overall, uh, like the pu- the puzzle, like the puzzles in this are like fantastic. They, I think, learned a lot from the first one and how to build them, and now like are have amazing spins. Like the first game had dimension switching, so like platforms would only appear if in one dimension. Now in this, they have like these. Uh, it's almost like a wave of each dimension coming through the coming through this puzzle. So you have like you have to like basically walk with the wave, and, and as it like takes away uh, platforms or takes away uh, like danger, so that you can get through the level. It's super cool. Um, and I just yeah, I just generally like playing that game. It, it's very responsive, and the combat's fun for me at least. Uh, I've I've been thinking about checking that one out. I feel like I need to. Although there is kind of a deluge of of Metroidvania style games, yeah, yeah, you're not wrong there. Yeah, everyone one, keeps th- telling me I need to play Hollow Knight. Yeah, this one I don't feel too bad about because they're not. It's not so much in the like backtracking, uh, like go go explore this. They kind of explicitly tell you where to go, and it, it's rather linear with like some some side rooms. Um, gotcha. Which I like. Like it yeah. doesn't need. To, it doesn't ha- always have to be. Nah, just go figure out where where you need to go next. Like, just poke around everywhere. Yeah, like, like not every game has has to be an open world, find the key, open door situation. Yeah. Um, and then the final game I played was uh, the King's Bird. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. What is Wait, that? Yeah. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> uh, it what? is. If you, have you guys played Dust Force? Yeah. Oh yeah. I fucking love Dust Force. Okay, it's like Dust Force uh, in terms of it's all these like level-based, high mobility like uh, kind of trialsy time trials. Uh, 
Um, except for you play as this woman who's dreaming that she's trapped in a cage and then learns to fly. I, I, I don't know. Like, it, the story's very loose, but it, it comes around to, like, very uh, punishing movement mechanics that... I am looking you, at the video right now. Yeah, it it's all about awesome. moment, momentum and uh, kind of using that to move around the level. It's very cool. Yeah, it it, uh, it it reminds me a little bit of, you know, N, N Plus, because you're a yes. very tiny figure on a 2D screen, and it's, it has that super high contrasty uh, nature to it as well, even though, you know, it's more than two or three colors, way more. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, like, I, I really love the look of it. Yeah, uh, and I, th- I only played about 20 minutes of it, because um, obviously World of Warcraft and Guacamelee are eating in my time. <laughs> <laughs> and a little bit um, I own some Dota. I've been watching so many people like running around in, in World of Warcraft, and a little bit of me is like, you know, like just like, <laughs> I know you can't ever go back. I know. But there's like a party that's like. <laughs> but but the I nice know. thing is, you can if you buy the expansion, right? And this isn't me trying to convince you to play. You get a level boost to whatever the level cap is now, so you can just go directly to the new content, right? Um, and and then kind of take it as you will from there because um, again it's just at that point it's just an RPG you pay for a month and you pay for it then that's still like $70 but I don't know yeah I, I feel mm-hmm. like I would uh, I feel like maybe I would do it if I had another one of those like 30 day passes so that there's a, a definitive end date to my playing yeah you can still buy those yep you can buy them on Amazon anyway uh, yeah I didn't play much while I was in Vancouver um I played work. <laughs> right. Yeah. Arthur, That's a you... long, grueling game. Did yeah. we ever get yeah. to talk about the Master Chief Collection, Arthur? We talked about it a little bit. Because um, now it's all, it's the it's if you're a yeah. Games Pass person, it's there. No, it's not on Games Pass yet. Or it's just that um, it has all the updated. Yeah, they shit. they totally they pushed out the update. Um, so if you have Master Chief Collection and you run it, you should get the update that basically completely rebuilds the game from the ground up um, and adds Xbox One X support for HDR and 4K. Dude, nice. Um, yeah, did you did you give it a try? No, I've I... I'm, oh, sorry. I didn't know I was you were say, talking about it. I've seen some of it, and it looks, it looks really fucking good, and it yeah. seems like it's made people excited again, especially, especially anybody I know who owns Xbox One X is like, Okay, definitely have to download this and boot it up because I want to see how good I can make the Halos look. Yeah, there's right. like a slight sense of fucking finally because like support for that shit was announced when uh, the Xbox One X was officially announced, um, and it's taken a while, but it seems like it's been worth the wait. And also, unlike the beta version that I was playing a few weeks ago, like now ODST is included, and part of me wants to actually go through and replay all of the Halo games because like dipping my toe back into them just like sent me down a rabbit hole of like looking at a bunch of halo shit and like watching like the halo 2 making of documentary and the fucking halo 2 anniversary documentary and like the halo 5 sprint documentaries um but also part of me just wants to go back and play odst in 4k yeah um, but uh uh 343 in the blog post for the official announcement of availability also mentions Halo Reach. Like they acknowledge that people have been asking for it, and they said that they don't have anything to announce yet. 
which makes me think that Halo Reach will come to the Master Chief Collection at some point. Um, right, they just are not awesome. ready to talk about it. Yeah, even, even though he's only in it for like, he's still uh, there. Cortana's <laughs> in it. He's like ten seconds. He's only in it for like ten seconds. And you have to move the camera to see him. Yeah, yeah. They they don't mean they don't mean the Master Chief Collection as in you're playing the Master Chief. They just mean that's the uh, that's the brand of the collection. I mean, the Master this is the Chief's collection not, that the Master Chief would play if he had it. He's not an ODST, right? No, he's not. No, he's not. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's after he left. Yeah, like the him him being on the ship that leaves is what kicks the shit out of New Mombasa. It's funny right. that uh, in some ways, a lot of the Halo lore has kind of gone the way that a lot of ex- ex- old expanded Star Wars universe went, which was like you know all these characters that were just really good at fighting the Empire. Well, guess what? They all had latent force powers, and now they're all Jedis, and it's kind of like... <laughs> Everyone's uh, Spartan now. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would very much like to dig into it and play through, and just like play through all the Halo games again, um, hmm. because that's like that series will always hold a special place in my heart. Um, yeah. But uh, I don't know when I'm out of fucking time. <laughs> Halo still is one of the best local co-op game experiences I ever had, right? Before... So that was another thing that they added, too, was uh, they added local offline land play to Master Collection, which it did not have previously. Um, That's super cool. Oh, uh, I didn't mention that uh, Guacamelee is four-player co-op. Yeah, that's like a crazy thing for that game. I didn't know that. Why? Why? Why not? I don't know. Dude, it, it, that could be super cool because you could be like, you could grab. You could. There's that part of that game is based around its grabs, and you could grab people and throw it to other people who could then like <laughs> suplex them into the ground. Like, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it does sound awesome. Um, I wanna, I wanna toss and suplex enemies all day long. Guacamelee is interesting to me in that it's like one of the last few sort of like big indie releases that is releasing on PlayStation Four instead of instead of Switch. Um, that feels like one of the games that didn't get the memo that now you release on Switch instead. <laughs> um, I, I felt that way when I saw the Spelunky 2 thing. And it was like, yeah. look at this PS4 Spelunky trailer, and I was like, wait, what? And on that's Switch? clearly like something that they signed an agreement on a long time ago. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, tomorrow, we're recording this on Wednesday, so tomorrow is Thursday. On Thursday, another one of those games that made the decision to, to push on the Switch is coming out, which is The Messenger, um, which got a shitload of buzz this week and a lot yep. of really good reviews. All I know about that game is it looks like old Ninja Gaiden. Yeah, so it is really extremely Ninja Gaiden. Um, and in a way, I don't know that people really necessarily expect because I feel like a lot of 8-bit action games saw attempted revivals over the course of the aughts and mm-hmm. and subsequently after and none of them were successful like all of them were bad with a couple of exceptions like one of which is ninja gaiden like ninja gaiden and ninja gaiden black were like one of the only well-regarded revivals of an 80s video game series um and part of that is because it took what i think people remembered about ninja gaiden which is like ninja ass kicking and turned that into the game but that's not really what Ninja Gaiden on Nintendo was. Like, it wasn't so much about ninja ass-kicking as it was, like, ninja platforming. Um, and I think playing the Messenger, if you haven't played the NES Ninja Gaiden games, or it's been a long time you don't remember them, it may 
it may finally jog loose your memory of what those games were. Um, and that like the messenger is very much about platforming and navigating an environment, um, much more so than it is about combat. Um, which is fine. That's fine. Um, but, uh, it definitely like the messenger. It's that the name itself is like a, a riff on Ninja Gaiden. Thank you. Um, like Ninja Gaiden is Ninja Message. Ha 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 ha. So you're the messenger. Uh, ha 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 ha. ha. Oh, I, I, um, I actually did not know that. Neither did I. Um, right? Gaiden? Gaiden means message? I didn't um, know that. I think well, like, it exactly, tele- exactly translated. It's like Ninja Telegram or something. <laughs> um, but uh, so the messenger is a side scrolling action platformer that plays very much like Ninja Gaiden and Castlevania, like the the Nintendo 8-bit Castlevania games, which is another thing that people might forget, like what a Castlevania game was back then. Yeah. Um, and I think that it it actually effectively channels the way that I think people might remember those games controlling, but not... It, but it doesn't sort of slavishly adhere to it in that it's not... It doesn't feel clunky to control like when you attack with your sword you don't stop running like there's not like a lot of latency in the ways that you turn and jump and stick to things like it doesn't feel like you will be fighting the controls very much like they're very smooth um and over the course of the game you're getting more and more sort of uh traversal options like there's climbing claws that let you hold onto walls which are very predictable and Mm -hmm. um like there's not a double jump per se, but if you're in the air and attack something and hit it, you get another jump. Um, oh, okay. So that's so like it makes it a it, yeah, it gives it a higher skill floor for the uh, for the double jump. Yeah. So the, there is a kind of double jump there, but it's not necessarily like what you would expect. Um, and there's a wingsuit which lets you glide. Um, and I just got a rope dart which you sort of throw short range that attaches to loops or walls and like rocket you across which is like a very cool sort of kinetic uh platforming bit that yeah. i don't actually I, that i never really saw in an 8-bit game except for maybe bionic commando mm-hmm. um and i feel like maybe it's channeling that a little bit as well um but stuff like there's black space above the screen where like your health and stuff is and as the screen scrolls up in certain levels you can see enemies occupying the black space before you see the platform that they're on which is sort of like a fun little eight bit throwback. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Like um, they're trying to they're throw they're throwing it back to the memory limitations of those games, not not just the look. And sometimes there are hidden paths in that black space that you can mm-hmm. use to get from one point to another, um, and that's that's neat. Uh, so all of that is cool. I think that by itself, the messenger would be like a fun game that people might forget about. But the hook and the trailer that they show um, is that you obtain an ability to travel through time. Mm-hmm. And what that does is essentially flips you between an 8-bit game and a 16-bit game. <laughs> I kind of want to see what that looks like. Actually. Um, it's <laughs> so in the trailer. Yeah, so like not, not, between a, uh, not between a modern game and an 8-bit game, but between... No, it's like Castlevania 3 <laughs> versus Super Castlevania. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, hilarious. I love it. And and I haven't actually gotten that far yet. And I'm a few hours mm. into the game. So mm-hmm. it's like a pretty meaty thing. Um That's and really so I don't funny. quite know how that works yet. Like I haven't yeah. gotten there. I don't know like what it feels like yet. Um I I have gone through levels and seen areas that I can't reach 
or I couldn't reach with equipment that I then got. And so I guess that there's like a new game plus or like something where you go back through those levels again. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, it's good. Uh, the music is excellent. Um, the animation, the eight bit sort of art style and animation is quite well done, quite well executed. Yeah, it looks like there's like interesting skill trees and stuff like that too. So, Eh, I mean, it's I've maxed out almost everything pretty early on, but I assume that Mm -hmm. it'll give me more things to do later. Uh, It has an interesting life slash continue system in that, like, there's no lives or continues, but when you die, this little demon thing resurrects you and then follows you around, stealing your the the currency that you get to upgrade with until it's satisfied that you paid your debt. (laughs) Um. And it it contextualizes all this stuff like into the game, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's very like referential and fourth wall breaking. Um, I mean, it looks like a really good version of one of those games. Yeah, exactly. It is, but I mean, like with really cool. I mean, but like not. There are lots of those games. There's a lot of fucking weird mechanics in it. Just in the trailer, you see some really weird just takes on things. There are lots of those games, and I think that, like, rightfully, like, I think people kind of ignore a lot of stuff that comes out that looks like that. Yeah. But this is one of those games that I think manages to stand apart. And this ga- this year has actually been pretty good about th- games that look like one of those games actually sort of, like, standing out and succeeding because they're really good. Like, Celeste earlier this year and mm-hmm. Dead Cells being, like, another example of one of those games um moonlighter um guacamelee probably is like an example of that kind of thing um so i i think that i'm enjoying it i'm gonna play more i'm gonna try to put it on my surface and play it when i'm on a plane tomorrow um but uh but yeah i'm digging it uh which i i've been playing that i played like a tiny bit of uh we happy few because that game is finally out quote um Although it runs like absolute dog shit. Oh, even on your X? Yes, on my Xbox oh, wow. One X. Like it's like sub thirty, like easily in the twenties and below Jeez. at various points. Um, and that's like a pretty con- consistent complaint in the reviews that the frame rate is atrocious on console, um, which is too bad because that game seems really interesting and wasn't necessarily what I expected or what I thought it would be. Um, but I would like to play more if they manage to get it performing at a point where I don't feel like the game is just going to fall apart at any given moment. Um, yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, I've seen, like, they. there are a lot of things that make it feel like it's from a very small team, which it is. You know, like, you'll even see, like, a lot of repeated characters and, like, there's just, like, weird, really weird choices that were, or I should say, not weird choices, but there's a lot. You can tell there's a lot of compromises. That right, compromise is a good is a good word for it, I think. And I like part of me is surprised a little bit that it it went that way because if you've got a publisher like Gearbox, who ostensibly is like a big company, like shouldn't they sort of like intervene at some point and say like, look, this is something that needs to be fixed before the ships, like. I would expect like some degree of oversight and assistance from a publisher in that kind of scenario. Um, but clearly that's not what happened. Right. Um, and I hope that that's one of the things that having Microsoft as their new owner can help with is that Microsoft can sort of provide those sorts of resources. Um, 
So, I don't know. Uh, but I'll probably play more of that at some point once I've heard that it's fixed. In the meantime, a game that I think you were also kind of curious about, Anthony, came out today that I just totally caught me by surprise, uh, which is Strange Brigade. Yeah, um, I was. Like, I thought that that was like a cool thing that the guys that this is. Uh, oh my god, why am I spacing? They made all the Nazi zombie games, and they kind of leveraged a rebellion, right? And they leveraged the stuff that they were doing with all those games to kind of take do like a four player. What if, like almost like a mummy game is basically what really what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bunch of guys fighting crazy monsters P- post World War One, shooting them apart. Yeah. <laughs> now you yeah. have my interest. Um, yeah, and it's like up to four player co op. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, Wait, that's out. Yeah, yeah it, it came, came out, out today. Like today. This is what I'm saying. Whoa. Like it just—I oh, only Jesus. saw because somebody retweeted an Xbox Wire piece in my feed. They went, <laughs> "Wait, what the fuck?" Wow. Um, so yeah, that's out today. Um, PC, PS4, Xbox One. Um, not on Switch. I doubt that it will come out for Switch. Um, one of the few games. There were a lot of games announced for Switch this week that were just like ports of indie games. Um, but so far, yeah, this seems to be the new thing for sure. Yeah, and I like, which I'm totally fine with. I mean, like, there's absolutely people out there that would never play any of those games any other way. I, the Switch is not for me like a place where I want to play a 2D game because I think that the controller is garbage for it. Not for um, us, no, but I mean for people who that's their only console or especially younger audiences and stuff like that or just people that are uh, that prefer mobile, you know, there's lots of people out there that prefer to take their console, to take their their video gaming device with them while they're traveling around the road or just in general, you know, and I, th- I think that there's a really big, uh, it's a really big kind of like new, previously unavailable audience to a lot of especially PC-only indie games. I don't... Yeah, I don't know if that's it so much as it's the only place those games can release where there's a chance that an audience might see that those games exist. <laughs> right. Because um, the other the other storefronts are so inundated with stuff all the time. Like, I feel like they're, they're, the last couple of weeks have seen a bunch of stories about, like, the state of the indie post-apocalypse and that, like, the indie market is completely and totally fucked and no one is making any money. Um, mm-hmm. And like the switch is the only bright spot for that because like the Xbox store and PSN are almost as bad as steam, if not just as bad as steam at this point. And it seems like switch is the only place where there's a chance of like getting any exposure. If people don't already know your game exists. Um, and so that's just going to be the reality for a while until the switch sucks just as bad as everything else for discoverability. Mm -hmm. Um, that like games that don't seem particularly well suited to switch are just going to go there because it's the only place where things have a chance of breaking even. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, but yeah, uh, not where I want to play things, but that's fine. Uh, other people want to want to play stuff on switch. So that's fine. Yeah, um, I mean, now that I have a commute again, it's kind of nice to have those things, you know. Or, like, it's very much replaced a lot of iOS or iPad games as the thing I do when I'm, like, in bed with the wife about to go to sleep. And I'm like, ah, I'll squeeze in ten minutes or something. Like, I am super <laughs> happy to to download Into the Breach and finally play that because I, I never played it because I was yeah, waiting yeah. for the Switch. There is a an iOS 
or a game on iOS that just came out this week that I kind of want to download. Um, Donut County came out this week. Has anybody played that? Yes, I I've, I've watched over a few people's shoulders while they were playing it. It looks great. It's uh, it's basically uh, Katamari Damacy but in reverse, where like you have a small where you start out as a hole in the ground and you're moving that hole around and trying to get stuff to fall in. And once you get a certain amount of stuff to fall in the hole, then the hole gets bigger. So. You're trying to get through a stage, and you know it works super well on mobile because you know you just have to drag the hole around the environment, and you know there's like other puzzle elements and stuff like that. Like there's like there will be trees or lamp posts that descend infinitely into the world, so you can't ever like have those fall into the hole. But it even it's even down to um, the low poly art style and like the cutesy storyline that goes around it and all that kind of stuff it's very very uh katamari inspired and which it looks very charming yeah and for somebody like me who loves katamari that's like super you know like they're they're tugging on my heartstrings there absolutely um in the meantime what do you think matt uh, uh about walking dead since you and i talked about how we both because I played through the Walking Dead has been one of those things that, uh, while I haven't kept up with a lot of Telltale games, yeah. the Walking Dead series was one of like the. F- I mean, I played it before I was with my wife, but then once we got together, like the those games became something that like we marathoned through. And then as the new seasons were coming <laughs> out, as we were dating and getting married, like we always kept up with it. And yeah. so, you know, we've it's kind of like the culmination of all that story. And I'm curious how you feel about that first episode of the quote final season yeah exactly well i the i'm sort of uh like i've been obviously a huge i I think i've mentioned several times on this podcast that i just love telltale games in general and i love their approach to game design and the way that they tell stories um the walking dead universe though for me uh i because and generally, I love it. Like, I watch the TV show. I even watch the other TV show, The Fear of the Walking Dead, you know. Um, and uh, so I think that for me, uh, The Walking Dead, the final season, which the first episode is out now, and that's the one that you and I played, um, it's suffering from a little bit of Walking Dead fatigue that I'm having just from absorption of the Walking Dead universe in general. And... Um, I think it's because uh, essentially the setting of Walking Dead never changes, right? There, it's always post-apocalyptic. There's right. always zombies. There's always issues, and and there's because, always a new group of humans that they're going to go meet, and then problems will ensue. Exactly. Yeah. There's like it's it's so formulaic at this point that it's like you already know what's going to happen, even if you don't know the details of what's going to happen. You know, like. There's going to be a moment of peace, and it's going to be shattered uh, either internally by somebody being fucking crazy or by some outside force coming and invading, led by someone who's fucking crazy. Yeah. Right. Um, And so it's like, uh, and you know, that was really interesting for a long time uh, because there were like different aspects that you could play on that and sort of play in that universe. But I feel like Walking Dead as a universe is hampered by the fact that the setting never changes. It's always the same aspect, always, all the time. And, you know, for a long time, I've thought that they touch on these little things that are interesting, you know, like uh, 
they mention that in, in the TV show and in the comics that like you know the the older like the older the zombies get and the more deteriorated that they get the less threatening they become the less they can move you know like there's an entropy that happens to them and you know when in the winter time like they don't move around as much or they just get straight up frozen you know so you know it would be really interesting to try to set the walking dead in at least some sort of setting where they can change up the environment because i think being stuck in the environment that they are in uh through all these different properties has really made it predictable. Now, all that being said, I still think Clementine is an amazing character. Like, uh, I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like, uh, I I almost feel like I've grown up with her, even though I'm way older than she is. Um, because I love where she started out. And then in the second series, you know, sort of her coming into her own. And, and then this one, you know, like the fact that she has her, her own kid to take care of, you know, her, basically she, you know, an, an adopted kid in a sense, just the way that Lee, just the way that they use the protagonist Lee ran into her when, in the first series, like, I really like that that's come full circle, but you have the added complexity on it that like, she's not a full grown adult, you know, yeah. like, she, like she doesn't there, she is still awkward. She is still trying to deal with, especially her like other interactions with children and stuff like that. You know, she doesn't understand that, but at the same time, yeah. in the very first walking dead, she runs from everything. Cause she's scared and she doesn't do anything. And now she's just like cold blooded walk up and bludgeon this thing. to death. It's, <laughs> yeah, right. It's a lot like the progression of Ellie from the last of us in some ways. Right. Mm. Um, drawn yeah, across multiple seasons. Yeah. I think that's a, a really, I think that's a really good simile right there. Um, and I think that, like, the one really interesting aspect of this, and they do it right in the beginning of the episode, so we're not giving anything away, is that, like, the kid that she's with, he's the one that has the gun. <laughs> and he's, like, what, like, eight or nine years old, something yeah, like, like that? Yeah, like seven, probably. Yeah. Right. And sh- and they and right, and they say, and, like, they have the little tooltips that you can turn off where they're, like, so-and-so will remember this, so-and-so will remember that, or whatever. But one of the things that they have like up in the right hand side of the screen that comes up early on in the game is that uh, I can't remember the kid's name now I'm totally blanking on it AJ AJ is they say right in the beginning AJ is a terrific shot <laughs> yeah they, they, they do those contextual things but another thing I thought that's interesting about the new season is that in the previous games it was always like oh it's important if you do this because so and so will remember that but now it tells you very early on that it sets the tone that everything that you're doing as Clementine is because you're determining the type of human that AJ is going to be when he grows up. So, yeah. so everything you're doing. So if you teach him like, I'm going to fucking murder this guy. It's like, well, AJ knows then the next time he sees someone who's a threat, just murder him. Don't ask questions. Right. You know? and so, and so you're like shaping him. Into- well, I guess we know what decisions Anthony made in this playthrough. <laughs> that's, that's just an example. I get, you get to see all the decisions you could make at the end of the credits. Uh, as they always yeah. do with percentages. Are you right, saying you don't fun. murder every stranger you come across? I leave all the decision making to my wife. So well, let's just say we're very like. Are you saying your wife doesn't murder everyone you come across? <laughs> yeah. I, I, one thing I thought that was kind of neat, Matt, is I don't know if you noticed, but they've, uh, you know, in the old games, you could do a little bit of like walking around the scene or clicking around the scene, like classic mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. adventure games. But now they've straight up over the shoulder, third person, like like a last of us type game where you can walk through the environment sometimes. 
Yeah, and down to the fact that, like, uh, you know, you come up on a group of zombies, and they're they're only small groups. It's not like there's, like, ten of them or whatever, but you come up onto a group of zombies, and you have to decide, you know, like, uh, it even tells you, you know, that, like, you can trip them to break them up. So you'll, like, trip one zombie uh, so that he falls on the ground and then back up so that you have time to kill the next one, then trip the next one. and So it has, like... Uh, really simple but satisfying um, uh, action-oriented combat, as opposed to the other games where all of your interactions were always, you know, contextual kind of QTE kind of stuff. Which is still in this game, but I just like that they added in, like you said, Anthony, just sort of this third-person over-the-shoulder, a little bit more action-oriented kind of stuff. Yeah, not that there's like necess- it's not going to ask you to like sit there in third person shoot or anything like that. No. And it is still heavy on QTEs and all that same sort of stuff. Um, right, you know, a lot it runs okay as Arthur asked, but it, it is like some of the features of it do feel a little bit like as like long in the tooth. But in the end, episode to episode, still really fun, interesting story. Uh, you know that you can't really talk too much about without spoiling things pretty overtly right. for people. Right, but, exactly. And at the end of the episode, they totally do the, the Walking Dead slash Telltale thing where it's like right at the end, it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I still think that of all the series that Telltale works on, like, this is one that if you never played it, which is weird because at this point, I feel like there's literally nothing it hasn't come out on. Like, I think Walking <laughs> Dead season one just came out on Switch this week. Um, <laughs> so it, it is that it is the series that I feel like is definitely the most worthwhile. Like, I remember finishing the first season and looking up to see if Telltale had jobs at the time. I was like, that's how much I loved it. So, yep, yeah, I played the the fr- I played the first two seasons twice now, um, and I still can't remember all of my decisions, but. The cool thing is that you start up the you start up the game and it says like and it sort of just does a recap uh, where it's like you met so and so and you chose that so and so was going to live over this other person or you were going to leave this person at the side of the road as opposed to allow them to come with you so you can sort of make uh, a couple of the big dramatic choices from the other games before you actually go into this game which is a nice little how do you do for anybody who's just hopping into the final season okay. Tell me about rest. Uh, yeah. So, Damn it. Can so, we, really? Why, when did I, it just, we had talked about it. We had had it. Last time we had to do rest, we tried to have our own server and we just couldn't get enough people. So, we decided to join a server with like 80 people. And the first like two hours were just us getting just murdered over and over again. But yeah. Eventually, but eventually, as our group got together and we started rolling like 10 deep, then we started to become like a force to be recognized with again. Uh, currently a force to be reckoned with currently the thing that i also that game allows you to import images now to post on your signs because you can draw freehand on signs which results in a lot of toxicity but like so the thing i'm all about right now is anybody that isn't wearing diving goggles i'm like you get i have to murder you on site if you're not part of our group and you're not wearing diving goggles we kill you (laughs) so you know we're up to a lot of our same old antics like we sent this one guy tiny from our group up to a neighbor's that had built near us and I had him explain to him the idea of manifest destiny and offer them a chance to leave before we took what they had. So <laughs> we're, 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 uh, we're still doing what we do, but I would say at yep. this point, you know, people, a lot of it, you know, a lot of the rest of voice sounds really terrible, but it's like the sounds, but a lot of it, <laughs> but I will say that people buy, it is only possible because the other side buys into it. Like, 
even the people that we were fighting with and like destroying some of their stuff, I could tell everyone involved was actually like, it was thrilling and fun. And that game is just like so much more elaborate than the old days when me and Matt played it. Like in the old days, you, you could constantly kill animals, you acquire food. Now it's like, we're having to like make fish traps and fucking plant pumpkins. And when we realize that there's like one, one pumpkin out of eight that grew really well, instead of harvesting mm-hmm. it for food, we split it into clones so that we can start replanting the same strain of pumpkin because it has the better yield. Like there's like really deep complex systems in that game now that are pretty interesting. The base building is far more elaborate. Um, yeah. It's really come a long way, but it is in the end that is still a game that at its core is about building up your shit so that you can potentially go and take other people's shit or just mess with them, whatever is your sort of fancy. But, uh, you know, I would say that the one thing I think that I'm more sensitive to now than I was five years ago is that it is definitely not a game to play if you are sensitive to the toxic community. Like, I ended up actually muting our server chat and and stuff like that just because our server is one that will auto-ban you for using racial slurs, but you can pretty much say whatever else. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like there is, like, a downside that comes with a game that is so much more about just, like, giving people mechanics and kind of walking away. Um, That can have a lot of really interesting, really memorable, one-of-a-kind moments, but a lot of really terribleness, too. Yeah, and it definitely helps a lot when you're in a group with a bunch of people and you're... Jesus. What the hell was that? (laughs) My wife keeps playing something on her phone. She's like, sorry, sorry. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Which reminds me of a tactic that we brought back from the old Rust days, which is like... Queue up the uh, queue up the ten hour Vanga Boys uh, YouTube oh video God. and just play it through somebody's somebody's voice chat outside of uh, an enemy base's door until they either give up or walk away. Um, so the, so you know like those those sorts of tactics still work. Uh, the but like you said the the mechanics are a lot deeper and a lot of things are way more interesting. Like people can't just build crazy enormous fucking bases anymore um they can but you would have to have people that are doing nothing but gathering resources constantly because bases decay and they have to have metal stone and wood resources just to keep them from decaying like you have to have a certain stockpile of them that just tick down over time and the bigger your base is of course the more maintenance resources it takes and uh so i really like that mechanic because people are having to build uh, smarter instead of just like throwing up an infinite amount of walls and going way up into the sky and structural stability matters a lot in the game too like you can if you can take out a foundation you know you can take out everything around it which has been in the game for a long time but it just seems like all of that stuff is implemented better than it used to be yeah also you, you know, know like it- we're having a lot of fun with it um, I don't know if we're not going full savage because we're better people or if the game's mechanics just sort of prevent it the way that it in a way it's much more difficult yeah other than the (laughs) fact that you can eat people now um (laughs) right but like it i will say that like yeah one thing that sometimes i miss the old rust but at the same time matt's right like the building mechanics are much more complex now and so that what that ends up resulting in is that when you decide to take on a building it requires a lot more thinking about how to do it and when you build a building you see a lot more creative, mindful ways of constructing the building to make it harder to take. 
whereas the old buildings were literally just build a tower configuration. Mm-hmm. All everyone did was build the same sort of building, and that was really kind of lame to see. So yeah. there, it is a, it is a lot more fun in that regard. Yeah, and there's um, still there's still like interesting ways that people sort of tweak the building so that like you build a roof piece that's at a slant that you can't go through unless you open a door that sort of glitches you through underneath the roof piece to get interior to the building, secrets. you know. <laughs> so, you know, Do there's I need to uh, cut that part out. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's like yeah. when I had to cut out the part where Matt said where the good bathrooms were at E3. Our, I think our build did. configuration is from someone on YouTube who was like, here's a fucking cool building exploit. So. Yep. Yeah, mm. so the, the information is already out there, unfortunately. But it's uh, but it, that's the kind of thing that actually bums me out a little bit. Like, I don't like the fact that like there's only one good way to build a building. And if you don't build your building in this way, then... You and I don't know if you can ever get around that. You know, if there if there's ever any way to like, not just to build only the one super defensive structure that somebody has figured out and has become the new standard way to be to have the maximum amount of defense and accessibility. I just don't know if there's ever a good solution to that in a game like Rust. Are they going to make was, Rust two? Do you think? Mm-hmm. No I think they're just going to keep doing this one, just keep adding on to it. It seems yeah. like it's basically a platform that they just keep growing and growing and like. Right, but eventually, like if they want to do more in-depth sort of building stuff, like what you're talking about, aren't they going to just have to sort of technically overhaul the game? Yeah, you might be right. Although they're still adding yeah. pretty crazy complexities. Like now, there's a ton of AI in it that are like actually gun-toting AI. There are neutral AI. There are tanks that drive around there they just added cctvs to the game so that you'll be able to set up cameras and actually sit inside your base and monitor i swear this is like just it's like civ like this game has just moved through technological eras and become something completely unrecognizable (laughs) that's true it is a little weird to have that tech alongside the fact that i'm wearing like a wolf headdress with a crossbow (laughs) yeah yeah like the the amount of things that you can build have no sort of like logical progression sense to them you can find something and build something without having to learn any of the other things that it would normally take a real human to put those things together i miss the zombies yeah i kind of do too i kind of do too there's definitely parts about old legacy rust that i miss but it's an it's an interesting it is that i think 10 years from now or three years from now or something will be an interesting gdc talk about what an early access game looks like as a platform because it is completely unrecognizable from the thing it started out as. Yeah. Forget Warframe. Let's talk about Rust. <laughs> well, Warframe is a is a fucking crazy success story of how to take your long term platform and make it make you all the money on Earth. So yeah, really. Um. So yeah, there, you should join us, James. Don't we can do try it, to. James. We can uh, flush your time away in the toilet of World of Warcraft instead. (laughs) I was thinking that we should join an RP server. I think uh, our group would have a particular amount of fun on an RP server as opposed to just like the straight up survival. Um, Should we do (laughs) no comment on that? Let's just roll past that. (laughs) There's a bunch of Rainbow Six Siege stuff that got announced, isn't there? Like like a new operator? Yeah, we talked about it on last week show oh, okay we played oh, the test server the w- and we went into it there's two things we didn't talk about from ti one everyone who went is getting artifact oh shit really wow although it yeah. was not there that was for not whatever there. reason 
and then on like the fourth day, they announced and released a voice pack for Dota that is just Gabe Newell. Oh, I right, saw- yeah. That's right. I heard yeah, about that. Is is it really as as like silly as the trailer? It is. Yes. Support? Yes. All of those things are in the fucking. Like I, I'm Gabe Newell, and you just got a pentakill. Email me at Gabin at whatever. You know, just yeah. like what the fuck? <laughs> I, you you got you just achieved first blood. Thank you for playing Dota two. Hope you have fun. <laughs> so, so good. What's the, there's like you got more than two kills, but less. But than less. Four. Than four yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh the uh emo i would ignore um, amount of kills yeah yeah wow yeah, yeah that's, that's amazing that's pretty cool that everyone gets artifact that i am very curious to um, see what that ends up being if you've got any more sort of like bucket list or or like pile of shame games or anything this is like the weekend to play them because the shit hurts the fan next week like and it just does not stop for like six or seven weeks. Yeah. Well, What's up like, next week? Spider Man, I think, is out next week. Oh, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> oh fuck. Really? Oh, yeah. but that's so bad. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you already, um, you've already like, even just earlier in this podcast, it was like, oh, by the way, Strange Brigade is out, and I'm like already downloading it on Steam because yeah, you know Strange just, Brigade is out today. Yeah. Um, let's just go to the old Wikipedia. Uh, Wikipedia. There's so many things. It's like States. you've said a couple times. The week times. after Spider-Man is Tomb Raider. Oh, God. God. It's like you said a couple um, times, Arthur, this year, is that there's just no slow time of the year anymore. No. There, the slow time is gone. The slow time is January and the second half of December. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Donut County came out this week. Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate came out this week. Strange Brigade came out this week. Um, the Messenger comes out tomorrow. Divinity Original Sin comes out on console on the 31st. Uh, Frozen Synapse 2 is supposed to come out any day now. Oh, really? Um, Dragon Quest Eleven comes out on September 4th. I didn't even um, know that was a thing. Spider-Man is the 7th. Uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider is the 14th. Um... Mutant Football League comes out on the 18th. Holy shit. There's also two uh, two new levels that they put out for Vermintide, Matt. Yep, so. I downloaded that already. I haven't had a chance to play it yet. It's the... Um, uh, what, are they call- what are they calling that? I can't remember. There, there's, there's a name for that expansion. Right, right, right. Actually, um, September is not that heavy with releases. Bogenhofen. Um, Shadows over Bogenhofen. But it's still, there's still a lot. There's still a lot to play. The Walking Dead episode two is toward the end of the month. Life is Strange two episode one is near the end of the month. Oh, shit. Um. And then once October starts is actually when shit hits the fan. Forza <sighs> is October second. Mega Man Eleven is October second. Assassin's Creed Odyssey is the fifth. Mario Party is the fifth. Black Ops Four is the twelfth. Luigi's Mansion is the twelfth. Fucking Battlefield 5 is the 19th. Soul Calibur 6 is the 19th. Uh, Red Dead is the 26th. <laughs> Call of Cthulhu actually coming out Whoa. on October 30th, which is probably a pretty good day for that to come out. Wow. Um, for all the non-Red Dead folks. Overkill's The Walking Dead comes out on November 6th. Are we yeah. sure? What? That seems way too soon. 
Uh, Hitman 2, November 13th. Fucking Fallout 76, November 14th. Basically, uh, the years. It's over, 15th. yeah. The Battlefield, Battlefield 5 beta is coming out soon. Open yeah, beta. it's like next weekend. Uh, yeah. Mutant Year Zero got a release date, Anthony. Oh, yeah. That one December actually is, 4th. That makes me very stoked. That'll be a Same day Christmas as Just day. Cause 4, although I really, really, really think Just Cause 4 is going to get delayed. Hmm. What happened really? to that? Um, there's that mutant game by, um, I guess it's THQ now. Right, right. We're they were just like, advertising it over the over the THQ weekend. Uh, mutant. Uh, I, I think it's called I'll, Mutant, right? Isn't it called no. Mutant? No. Uh, the one where you play as a bunny. Oh, Bio Mutant. Yeah, Bio yes. Mutant. Where you play as like a weird bunny yep. samurai yeah. next monster. year. Oh, maybe it is. Yeah, it's like, a, it's it's 2019. It says. And that's like, like last year, I thought. MechWarrior 5 is supposed to be out this year. Um, I didn't even like know there was going to be another MechWarrior game. Yeah, that game's been in development for, for fucking ever. It's yeah. the people that did MechWarrior Online. That's why I forgot about it. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it lost. Uh, Tropico 6? Long story short, it sounds like a lot of people are going to do underwhelming sales, is what I feel like I'm hearing. <laughs> Too many games. <laughs> yeah, there, I, it seems like there are a lot of people just getting the ever loving fuck out of the way of Red Dead. Mm. Um, which is that would make sense. Yep. Because, you know, Grand Theft Auto was like a meteorite that hit the video game industry. Um, and the Aftershocks are still building Phil. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. One of, if not the best-selling video game of all time, I think, at this point. It's still GTA in the five. top ten every month. Yep. So. Um, yeah. Video games. Yeah. Spider-Man next week. Tomb Raider the week after that. I haven't really played much of any of the modern Tomb Raiders, so that game doesn't really blow me away or anything. But The first you know, two are really good. Excited. I love them. Yep. I, yeah, I feel like maybe I just... I'm wondering if I'm like... I'm not like dying to play the third one at this point. Oh, I'm I sure am. I will. I can't fucking wait. I loved Rise. I loved it too. I guess I'm just like, I also never finished the last Uncharted game either. Like, or the 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 what was it called? Not the Uncharted numbered one, but the Uncharted. The, oh, uh, um, Lost Legacy. Yeah, Lost right. Legacy. Just because I just feel like a little oversaturated really in that world. Even Which is, like, the second best Uncharted, I think. I think so, too. Like It's so good. Also, like, by far the most sort of experimental of any of the Uncharted games. Yeah, they definitely play around with the formula a lot in that game. Yeah. The big open world sort yep. of section is pretty good. Yeah, the midsection, Pretty yeah. good. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess because they felt like they had the freedom to experiment with it since it wasn't an officially numbered like Uncharted. They were like, ah, fuck it, let's give it a shot. And it worked to its yeah. benefit. And, you know, like experimenting with the tech to see if they could blow out the world size, which I'm sure was part of like working on Last of Us. Mm. Like, that um, makes sense. That's sort of like a technical exercise to make sure yeah. that they can get stuff up and running uh, and yeah. wanting to extend the game's length out a little bit. Um, well, do we want to read any letters, or do we want to... This week, no. But people There's... should send in their letters. Were there letters last week? Did there it were, go poorly? There were letters last week, but there weren't really very many this week. So, okay. Uh, 
one about the Master Chief Collection, but we already talked about it. So, what um, was the question? I might as well say what it was now. Just did the Xbox One S get HDR enabled? Uh, I think so. so. Um, yeah, and also all like every version like has some benefits. Like load times have been dramatically improved. Um, performance has been improved across the board um, because some of the games use dynamic resolution and had a really hard time hitting 1080p. Um, S. I'm double checking that right now. Yeah, people should send in their letters to letters at eat-sleep-game.com. That is the best place <laughs> for them. The only place for them, some might say. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> uh, oh, did you guys talk about the uh, the Xbox subscription thing? Yes, we did. Yep, we did. What did you think about that? I feel like it's... It seems like it's a really good deal, but two years from now... I mean, it is a it is a fair deal for what you get for the price for what a price of an Xbox is right now, but considering that, like, by, I guess by the time you pay it off, the Xbox will probably there will be a new one on the verge of coming out. So, I don't know how people will feel about that. But if I didn't have one, that would be probably enough to get me to come into it. I feel like, although I'd still rather just pay it off at once than have the payment plan. But well, yeah, I mean, because I think it's technically cheaper. It is, yeah. But it also walks you into paying for Xbox Live and Game Pass. Yes. Which maybe you don't want to do. Yeah. I don't want Game Pass. But if there was something like that for the next-gen Xbox when it first came out, I would do it. Because I'll probably... I I have to imagine that there will be. Because if... I would do a monthly thing, because I'm like, I'm going to have it for multiple years anyways. So let's just do it. Yeah. It seems like it would be a really smart move. Like a good sort of price-friendly move from them. It also suggests to me that maybe the next generation Xbox will be more expensive than they would prefer. Um, it's and entirely so possible. Yeah, that's like the only a, way they've a, been able to make uh, uh, way too expensive phones palatable to a mass yeah. audience. And that's like the comparison, right? That like, if you are paying off your phone over time, by the time you finish paying off your phone, like it's considerably obsolete compared mm-hmm. to the new stuff that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, also, James, did you see the white Pro controllers? I did not. Yep, they announced like new Elite controllers today that are Snazzy. the same build. It's this; they're the same controller, but now they're they're in the robot white, and they announced a robot white Xbox One. Well, X did they also have Bluetooth? No. No, so, get fucked. What's sucks. up with that? It's the same. It's the same controller, basically. They're just like oh, a a white version, huh. and I, yeah, it's it's definitely disappointing. Like I've. There have been a lot of rumors about like stuff being in development and stuff being canceled and stuff being delayed uh, mm. as far as new Elite controllers go, um, which I kind of get because it's like such a niche thing, but I would really like a new Elite controller with Bluetooth. Yeah, yeah seriously. Um, so, oh, I would well. get one just for my PC. Where can we find people on the internet, Anthony? I'm at Chuff Money on Twitter and Twitch. And uh, Arthur's at AEGIES on Twitch and Twitter. And at Pragmagic on Instagram, where all the cool things happen. Uh, and James is at James underscore Faulkner on Twitter. And then he exists at, uh, it's the same thing, right? It's just James underscore Faulkner on, on the Instagram as well, where you can see yeah. cool pictures that he takes with his cameras. Some of them quite impressive. 
I'm, <laughs> I, for, sometimes. For, for so, I find them quite impressive for the fact that it's not like you're telling me about how you were like trained in photography and stuff. You know what I mean? You just like mm. for being self-taught and stuff like that. Like I'm like, okay, this is fucking awesome. So you should yeah. check them out. Just, you got to take a lot of photographs and then you don't like a lot of them. And then, and then a few of them are, a few of them are good. But that seems right. like even, even <laughs> those from are the like only the, ones you post. I was yeah. going to say, even yeah. from like the famous photographers I've heard of, that's what they do. They oh yeah. Take, yeah. It's like, you know, they throw away a bunch and then they sell a few of their like awesome, incredible ones. So yeah, unless you were uh, an old school wide format, uh, photographer, where, you know, like, you would take, uh, like, if you use the old, um, you know, like, Hasselblads that have, like, a massive film plate in them where every picture you take is $5, then you learn how to sit in one place for an entire day to shoot one picture at the exact right time because you don't, <laughs> you don't have the budget to develop $5 a picture over and over and over again. Um, and then Matt's at Talking Orange on Twitter and at Matt Chandrine on Twitch. So, Truth. That's it. Go out, live your lives, play Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, we didn't get paid to sell Spider-Man, but I feel like that's going to be a good fucking game. So, yeah. yeah. That. yeah. Uh, all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next Love Truck.